stretch, and it's Tis the Law on the outside of Authentic. These two stride for stride as they come to the final furlong. Authentic is dragging in. Tis the Law all out to get by him. Authentic and John Velasquez have the lead as they come down to the 16th ball. Tis the Law still trying to get him. Authentic, Tis the Law, here's the buyer. Authentic has won the Kentucky Derby. Hello, welcome to another edition of the Trainer's Hut. I'm Todd Blum, your host here in the Sport Thought Studios. And this show, of course, brought to you by TobblumBloodstock.com. We're speaking to Gary Cuddy today, the general manager of Spendthrift Australia, as well as owner of the 2020 Kentucky Derby champion, Authentic. And what a thrill it must have been for Gary, who involved in my racehorse, the MicroShare Company, and might have only owned a small percentage of it, but I tell you what... If a horse crosses the line first, no matter what race it is, let alone the Kentucky Derby, then you get 100% of the thrill when there's not much quite like your horse winning a race anywhere in the world, as a lot of people who listen to this show, I'm sure, are well aware. But very excited to speak to Gary and Spencerift Australia. Well, it's definitely a farm on the up. They've been building and building and building for the last couple of years. And Omaha Beach headlining with Vino Rosso as well as Gold Standard, Overshare and Swear, the uh, Colonial Stallions. So they've got a nice mix there and by some very influential sirelines, which we'll chat about a little bit later. But uh, before we get to Gary, we a little bit of a different episode last week here in the Trainer's Hut. We had a few black bookers for the Melbourne Cup. We're back on the Melbourne Cup path, edition three. So if you haven't listened to that, after you get through this one, just jump back through the archive and have a listen and just make sure you've got a bit of pen and paper there when you listen to it also because we went through a few, broke down a few, but the order of entry and the weights have been released since and I believe a couple of those horses have even had a run since. So there's always something happening as we get the lead up to the Melbourne Cup and we find out who's who and what's what. And if you want to know, just keep stay tuned into the trainer's hut in the build-up to the Melbourne Cup because we will remain on the Melbourne Cup path. And we might even try and touch base with someone who's we spoke about last week in the next couple of weeks. But some very exciting guests coming up in the next couple of weeks. Let me tell you, we've lined them up. So we're just working our way through them. But for now, let's head to Gary Cuddy, who is the general manager of Sprinthrift Australia as well as the owner of a Kentucky Derby winner in Authentic. Gary, thanks for joining me in the trainer's heart. No, g'day, Todd. How are you, mate? I'm oh, good, thanks. Gee, mate, Kentucky Derby winning owner. It's got a nice ring to it. No, I guess I can't take all the glory, but uh, as we said, uh, you take all of the thrill, that's for sure. So um, it's been, a, been an exciting week and uh, yeah, one that uh, I don't think we'll forget in a hurry. So Spendthrift Farm are a partner in the horse alongside my racehorse. So just tell us for the people who aren't quite aware of it, what is my racehorse and, and what's it about? Yeah, so Spendthrift are a major shareholder in, in Authentic and, and the farm owns the uh, majority of the horse. But uh, when we made the purchase, Mr Hughes was kind enough to offer um, 12.5% of the horse to uh, my racehorse. Um, who, who are a company that uh, sell micro shares in horses. So, um, as I've said, uh, I, I think I own all of about one single hair on the, on the <laughs> horse's back. But, um, but look, it's uh, for, for two hundred. I think it's about two hundred and six American dollars um, to be a part of it. Well, um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a great thrill, that's for sure. 
Well, the first I saw of it I, after the race, obviously on Sunday morning, when I, I was scrolling through Twitter and I saw some bloke in Ireland, he said he paid five hundred and sixty dollars for a share. I thought, what's going on here? How much was this horse? Did they pay for as a yearling? And then, obviously, when I looked into it, there were many, many people that enjoyed the thrill. Yeah, there's only about four and a half thousand of us, and uh, yeah, well, that, that's the first person from Ireland that I've uh, that I've heard of. But, uh, <laughs> I know that uh, Bob Baffert was talking to a couple of, I think it was one bloke plays for the LA Dodgers. There's a professional, American professional skier. Um, there's myself and my mum and, and Josh Ricks who works for us and, and a good mate of mine from Sydney, Kim Regler. Um, we, we all took him up on, on the 200 and something bucks and look at the end of the day, mate, it was uh, it, it was just for the thrill of it and, and we were confident that he was going to get a run and and at the end of the day, when when you have the opportunity to say that you uh, owned a Kentucky Derby runner, I think we were happy just to uh, to tick that box and and move on. But uh, it's it's gone to another level now. It's uh, yeah, it's fantastic. We'll touch on ticking that box in a moment, but just want to speak about Mr. B Wayne Hughes, so the the owner of Spendthrift, and it's his first win in the Kentucky Derby. And for someone who's put so much into American racing in particular and more recently Australian racing, it must be such a thrill for not only him but everyone involved in the farm, in, in you know, both farms. Oh, mate, it, it was, that was the highlight for me. Um, I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, we shared footage that um, our American farm shared on, on social media of the video of the celebration at, at Mr Hughes' house for about the... The last ten seconds of uh, ten seconds of the race, and uh, to say it brought a tear to the eye would, would be a lie because it was a lot more than that. It was uh, it was fantastic uh, to see him uh, in that moment, and I don't think anyone would begrudge somebody who has put as much time, effort, and, and obviously money into the game over over about fifty years. Um, to, to fulfil his dream, which was to win the Kentucky Derby, so um, mate, it was uh, it was just great to see and um, to be involved with with such a, a high quality human being um, and and be a part of his part of his dream coming true um, as a team member, but as a very minor shareholder, it uh, yeah, it's, a, it's a special spot, uh, special spot in the heart that one. So Spencerif got involved in Authentic at the start of the year, I believe. How, how did that come about, and was the was he purchased solely for a shot at the Kentucky Derby, or what was the thinking behind getting involved in Authentic? Uh, he was purchased in June, um, and basically, it's it's what all stud farms do really is you you watch the races and and you see um, identify quality stock and and can this horse stand on our roster and. Um, can, can we buy him now or should we give him one more run or two more runs and just watch and see how he goes and um, a horse like Authentic he's, uh, he's, he's obviously by our stallion into mischief so I'm sure that it didn't take the guys too much persuading to uh, to get Mr Hughes to stick his hand up and, and buy a, a pretty progressive son of into mischief and um, so we, we've done that and he then his first run uh, for us was when he ran second in the Santa Anita Derby and and then he's obviously gone on and, and won the Haskell and the Group One, and and then he's he's kicked on and and won the, the Kentucky Derby. So um, I think it's a it's a ten out of ten for our uh, our American team um, for the work that they did to to be able to secure such a such quality horse. Yeah, I suppose always with a stud farm too, it's a massive thrill to win any Group One race. But when you stand the stallion, it's just a little bit of cream on top, isn't it? 
I think that it'd almost be the pinnacle, really. Like when when you think about it, we've we've uh, purchased into mischief as a yearling. Um, Mr. Hughes mentioned in the lead up to the race that in, into mischief, um, he was talking about him in the press, and um, he said that the horse was actually named after his son, who who is now deceased. But he, he was always getting into mischief. He died when he was quite young, but um, so that's how the horse's name came about. So then into mischief goes on and, and wins the group one and, and then he goes and becomes champion sire well there was about one thing missing from his resume which was to get a kentucky derby winner and, and for mr hughes to own that horse it's it's just fantastic so it's uh, it's it's the stuff dreams are made out of and, and i think that uh if if you could have if you could have written the book um i think that you you couldn't have probably got it any better if it was written the way that it's happened so you spoke about ticking the box a little earlier, Gary. Going into the race, there's a hot favourite in Tis the Law. Obviously, this year it's so much different to any other year and not being able to be on course and not even being able to go to America for yourself. But was there some hype at home? Where did you watch the race? Was there plenty of carry-on afterwards? What What was your lounge room looking like when you crossed the line? Oh, mate, my, my lounge room wasn't too exciting. I think it was my, myself and my wife who's all of about 37 weeks pregnant so there wasn't too much jumping up and down but um, as, as we were uh, sitting on the couch I, I actually went negative before I went positive you know I said he's worked too hard to get to the front and then down the back stretch I've gone geez they've got to run past him he's gone way too fast and she's like as, as always you're negative and she's like he'll be fine he'll be fine and, and well as it turned out she was right I was wrong but um, mate it was uh yeah, pure elation when he got to the... It was about probably about 100 metres from home when you knew that we were safe because he just sort of put that length on uh, on Tisla Law, which um, meant that the, the goosebumps uh, kicked up and the hairs on your arms stood up. And, and then the next minute, it was just phone call after phone call. Josh rang me straight away, uh, screaming down the phone. And, and then Vin Cox and Henry Field and um, Henry bought the horse as a yearling and, and Vin Cox is obviously um, my, uh, my my first boss in the industry um, were, were the first few people to call me and it was just from then on it was just phone call and text messages for about the next five or six hours and to be totally honest mate we're still getting messages of, of congratulations and and talking to people like yourself and, and racing.com about it and it, it just keeps the keeps the buzz going which is which is fantastic because it's it's something that uh, we don't really want to let go of that's for sure no oh, i completely understand that now, us racing so you've mentioned vin cox who you worked with and spent a lot of time with him over in the us spren thrift are obviously a, a major us operation what is it about us racing that that you really like gary and what are some of the major differences to racing here in australia I think that's uh, an industry like Australia, it's based on speed, but um, everything's got to go short and fast, where in America they just go fast. Like, <laughs> it's the same speed. Like, you look at that Kentucky Derby and um, authentic jumps from the outside gate and then just puts the pedal to the metal and didn't stop. Um, and that that's just, I reckon that, one of the most exciting parts about the American racing, and they they, they actually breed very fast horses. Like the, um, I think that was the sixth fastest Kentucky Derby in history um, on the weekend, which I think Secretariat and uh, and Northern Dancer. It's two of the horse, five horses ahead.
ahead of him. So he's in pretty good company there in, in the top six horses to run in the uh, to, to run the fastest times. So I think that's what probably excites me the most. Speaking of pretty good company, Bob Baffert, the trainer, he's just won his sixth Kentucky Derby. Now, I just want to understand the brilliance of Bob Baffert a little better. So Authentic was his sixth. He's had Justify and American Pharaoh, who are also Triple Crown winners. We know they're now at the Hunter at Coolmore. 15 Breeders' Cup wins, even spread across the Breeders' Cup, mind you, too, with the juvenile, juvenile fillies and such. Three Dubai World Cups. Now, I know he's a pretty unique individual, but is there a trainer in Australia you could sort of relate him to as a bit of a reference point for the listeners that might not know a lot about him? Because he really is a remarkable trainer, isn't he? Yeah, I think uh, I'd have to put Bob in a league of his own, really. Um, to, you've just rattled off all, all of those races, and, and there's many a group one that, that uh, you haven't mentioned. So I think that uh, Bob's sort of, uh, he's, he's right up there with uh, with one of the best in the game, and, and to just get the results year in, year out. Um, he obviously gets some some pretty good cattle, but um, you, you sort of you're only as good as your results. And and um, yeah, as you said, he's he's had the two triple crown winners that are out here now, and and now this guy. So um, mate, I think that he's uh, he's sort of incomparable at the moment. I think one of the things I I read that Henry Field said was. You know, if you buy me a mile, I'll stretch it out to a mile and a quarter. So he really does have a, a unique way of training. And like you say, the results speak for themselves. I've mentioned a couple there, but the list goes on. Well, that's the thing about authentic. Like, if you go through his pedigree, and, and Henry, as Henry said, like he's bought a horse that shouldn't be going further than a mile. Um, and he's just gone and, and won a Kentucky Derby. And, and that comes down to Bob and, and how he trains his horses. And um, I think that the uh, we, we got a little bit of a funny story out of the Haskell was um, Bob told Mike Smith, who rode him on the day, he said, mate, just when you, when you get him around the bend, don't let him, don't let him get lazy on you because um, if you don't get, get him going, he'll just do what he has to do. And, and um, New York traffic loomed up outside of him and, and they got back in and Bob says to Mike, what were we doing? He goes, oh, well, I, I came around the bend and, and I started smooching him and, and saying, come on, boy, come on, boy, we, we can do this, we got this. And, and he just didn't let down as fast as I thought he was going to on the turn. And Bob said he... He's got cotton wool in his ears. He hasn't heard a thing that you've said, which is why I said you had to get, which is why I said you had to get stuck into him. So, um, so that that was quite funny. But uh, yeah, he got the job done that day, just. But uh, yeah, funny, uh, funny how they uh, things get lost in translation. <laughs> well, speaking of US racing here, Gary, and there's two very very talented US shuttlers that are coming to Spendthrift Australia this year. So we'll shift the focus a little bit. Closer to home, so Omaha Beach, who's the son of one of the hottest sides on the planet at the moment, Warfront, and has been for some time, and Vino Rosso, who's by Curlin, who also a very influential American sire. How have the two new fellas settled in up there at the farm? They've been with us for probably six weeks now, and, and they've obviously been covering theirs for the, for the last week or so, which is um, which has been good. They've, they've settled right into to the routine and. Um, not put a foot wrong, which is obviously great, and, and um, the response that we've had to them is just fantastic. Um, Mr. Hughes only wants to cover them with, with a limited book of a hundred mares each, um, and we'll be able. I, I 
pretty confidently say that we will get that done with with both of those horses, which um, is great for us as as a business. And obviously, both horses are, are very well credentialed coming out of America and, and coming off of. I think Vino Rosso covered 240 mares and, and Omaha Beach 220. So fantastic first season support in America. So they've come down for, uh, I guess, come down for a rest and we'll, we'll only give them 100 mares this, this uh, southern season. So, um, which, which is, look, it's great for us to have horses of, of such quality on our roster, really. Does the lighter load here in Australia, does that have something to do with what's going on in America there at the moment with the jockey club trying to limit books or is that just something that Mr Hughes has done to make sure he looks after the horse that's serving two hemispheres? No, it's it's purely comes down to looking after the horse covering in both hemispheres. Um, you sort of, you've got to get to a point where enough's enough, I think, and, and um, look, we, we, I don't think we support the, uh, the action that's going on in America at the moment, the limiting of books, but um, I think that'll sort itself out in in time but um, uh, this purely comes down to uh, just looking after the horses and at the end of the day they'll be they'll be going back to Kentucky and the popularity that they had in their first season they'll be covering uh, probably the same number of mares in their second season and and they're covering it at service fees Omaha Beach is at 45,000 US and and Vino Rosso is at 35,000 US so um, probably a lot more money involved in in the season up there but at the end of the day look at the hundred mares is, is a great uh, a great book of mares and we'll get uh, we'll get those to them and, and they'll be given every opportunity down here. We'll kick off with Omaha Beach and he looks a very impressive type. One of the things I can't get over about this horse is just how versatile he was. So three group one wins as a three year old. The Arkansas Derby over eighteen hundred meters as well as the fourteen hundred meter Malibu stakes and believe it or not, Santa Anita Sprint Championship stakes over twelve hundred. He's the first horse, the first three-year-old, I believe, in 30 years to win a Group One at, at 1200 and 1800 in the same season. So, um, I think that's further highlight the class of racehorse that we're dealing with. Like he, he uh, trained by trained by Richard Mandela, and um, Richard's on record as saying they just don't get any better. So um, he doesn't throw stuff around like that. Uh, I guess every year because he doesn't he doesn't have uh, as much cattle, so he's he's talking uh, talking from the heart. He, he he said this this is as good as they get, which um, for us is is enough to take his word for it. I think. Well, when you think about it, it's almost like a colt winning the Coolmore Stud Stakes on Derby Day, and then backing up in the autumn and winning the South Australian Derby or something like that. It's it's just it's hard to wrap your head around, Gary. Oh, definitely. Uh, I don't think there, there was not too many horses that uh, will uh, achieve the same feat probably for the next thirty years. To be totally honest, so um, yeah. But look, I think it's it's a fantastic thing, and to be able to bring a horse that uh, is as fast as him, like that Saren Anita Sprint Championship win, that was was actually rated uh, equal to yes, 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 as Everest win. So, if you put it in that perspective, um, that's that's a pretty serious victory and a, and a pretty serious rating. So, um, yeah, I think that uh, he's, he's in pretty good company there in, in the rating stakes. That's for sure. So. And a lot of the top breeders, not only Victoria but New South Wales and surrounds as well, they're sending mares to him. So, like you say, he's getting a lot of support from outside mares as well. 
Yeah, look, both of these horses are being supported by people from, from all over the country, which um, for us to be able to be bringing um, mares in into Victoria to be bred from, from the Hunter Valley, but from Adelaide or South Australia and um, and Queensland for, for these horses, I, I think is, is great for our local industry, but obviously great for our brand and, and showing people that we are bringing quality horses that are worth the trip and, and um, I, I, yeah, I, we obviously appreciate that support but we're, we're yeah, very grateful for it. And Veno Rosso, so if you're going to send a mare to Veno Rosso, you'd be pretty confident that you're going to get a type, wouldn't you? Well, I think so. I'm, I, uh, <laughs> we wouldn't have bought him otherwise. <laughs> uh, I'm sending one of my own mares to him, so we think we're going to get types, that's for sure. So... <laughs> Um, look, he's and, and the thing about him, I think, is is the blood that he carries. Like if he goes through his pedigree, like Curlin, who's by Smart Strike, who's one of the best turf influences, the Mister Prospect to sideline. Um, he's out of a street prime mare who obviously needs no introduction. His neck stems from the Deputy Minister sideline, which um, has been successful here through. You, Horses like to hear, and then his next dam's from the Roberto sideline, who's obviously um, got your, your red ransoms, which lead to your charge forwards, and and uh, yeah, so look, it's it's pretty serious blood that this horse carries. That that's pretty much every generation of, of blood has been successful here in, in this country. So, and, and we can still call it our cross, um, which which is great. And that curling line too, it's it's a line that we don't see too much of here in Australia, isn't it? So he really is gonna suit a large group of mares that we that we have here in Australia. Yeah, I believe he's the first son of curling to um, to stand in Australia. Um, so I think that uh, yeah, these these speedy uh, speedy colonial mares uh, that I know we've got quite a few of them in our broodmare band that are going to him, so I, I think they'll be well suited and um, and we can only hope that we uh, we, we get foals that look, look like him because, like you say, he's a bloody good sword. He had two wins from two starts as a two-year-old, so that ticks a box for Australian breeders, but he was able to train on to four and win the Breeders' Cup Classic. Exactly, undefeated at two, a Wood Memorial at three, which is a race that was won by um, by Frosted, who's shuttled out here with uh, Fidali and, and stands here in Victoria. And um, look, Frosted's got some nice progeny on the ground, so we we bought a nice filly at the Gold Coast by him this year. And there's talk about uh, there's a bit of talk about them, which is uh, which is good advertising for us because we've got horses that have won similar race, and then obviously we've. This horse is on at four and he's won the Breeders' Cup Classic and, and defeated nine individual group one winners on that day, but not just defeated them, he, he beat the second horse four and a half lengths, so he's absolutely demolished a, a, an unbelievably quality field and, and just sort of, I know, that replay is one you never really get sick of, uh, sick of uh, seeing, that's for sure. And at $13,750, Gary, seems excellent value. The, the way you're talking about him there, you didn't get the service fee wrong, did you? No, well, I, I don't think we have. I think that's the best bit about Mr Hughes is that uh, he, he's got a horse that, that he could have stood for probably more money. But um, he, he's about everybody having an opportunity. And um, Omaha Beach is the same. Like, these are... On paper, these these horses could be standing for. You could nearly argue they'd stand for double if they stood in the Hunter Valley. Now, um, that might be to our to our own demise that we haven't stood them at that level. But um, the support that we've got for both. 
is is happy to bring them down here and, and stand them at fees that will be competitive and, and draw people's attention. And I think that's what we've done. And, and hopefully we uh, hopefully we can get those last few bookings over, over the line in, in the coming weeks and months and, and tick those uh, 100 mares off uh, off for the boss because that's that's what we do it for. So we uh, yeah, hopefully we can get the result for him again. No, you're absolutely right there. It's it's really good to see the farm and Spendthrift, one of their lines, is the breeder's farm. So it's good to see that, you know, looking out for the breeder, particularly the smaller breeder, which we're big on in this show as well. I know Seamus Mills and I had a really good chat about it in a previous episode where you've got to look after the breeder as, as the stallion farm. So like you say, they're really attractively priced and the not only the farm, but the breeder can reap the rewards as well in the long run. Mate, at the end of the day, if we if we didn't have breeders, we we, we might as well not have stallions, and um, we, we, nobody wants that because, um, as Mr. To, to quote Mr. Hughes, the breeders are the backbone of our industry. So, um, so without them, um, we we wouldn't be anything. So, um, that's why we uh, make sure that we're we're catering for everybody from from the bottom to the top and, and everybody in between. So, um, yeah, it's. It's, it's a great game to be involved in and, and to be able to offer such affordable fees and, and great innovative ideas that Mr Hughes has come up with, like our Breed Secure program and, and share the upside programs. I, I think it's wonderful to, to have our investment here in, in Victoria and, and to be able to offer that to people. I think it's fantastic. Gold Standard by Sebring, Overshare by I Am Invincible, and Swear by Reduce Choice. We speak about these breed shaping size in America. They don't get much bigger than Reduce Choice, and I Am Invincible well on his way, and we know Sebring. So they round out the roster quite nicely, and again, some very attractive stud fees there for some pretty well-performed horses, Gary. Oh, exactly. And, and these horses, as I mentioned before, Breed Secure, these horses are offered on, on that program, um, which is which makes, uh, I think, breeding to them all the more attractive. But like you said, they're, they're by champion size. Um, they're well-performed on the track. Swear, his first progeny, have just turned two. Um, Simon Zara and Matty Ellerton uh, posted a video of, of the Swear jump out this morning, and, and a few people have made mention of that. I've, I've got to go find it because um, a few people said it was quite positive, so that's that's a nice thing to see this morning on the Swear two-year-olds, and they've ended up in, in the right stables, and um, they'll be given every chance. And, and then Overshare and Gold Standard are... Uh, what are they now? They're going into their third season, and, and both horses doubled their first season books in their second year, which is, is unheard of. Um, and and both horses are, are being also prepared again this year. Um, they've got good good stock on the ground that will head to the sales next year. And um, son son of I'm Invincible that uh, overshare we we bought him as a yearling just before the I'm Invincible explosion happened I guess on the industry so um, to have a horse of his quality on our roster at a fee of, of 10 grand um, I, I think that, uh, that that's pretty exciting and um, yeah, good good quality stock on the ground It certainly is an exciting time to be at Spendthrift in both hemispheres so wishing you all the best for the upcoming season Gary and authentic to continue his racing career and maybe one day we'll be here talking about him standing there at Spendthrift Australia No mate I look forward to it very much for having me on. Gary Cuddy there joining me in the trainer's heart and I tell you what, we've said it off the top of the show but what a time to be involved there at Spendthrift Farm. 
And if I know this time of year we're getting on to the matings and stuff like that, mares are already booked, but if you uh, have a mare in the paddock and you're not quite sure if she's going to go to a stallion this year or you're not quite decided, just jump on uh, the Spendthrift website there. Give Gary or Josh Ricks a call there at Spendthrift and just have a chat because there's two very, very exciting stains there. And as well as what we said, you know, Swear is having his first two-year-olds at 5,500. Overshares by I'm Invincible. We know what that sideline's doing. And like Gary said, only $11,000, including GST. So, and gold standard by Sebring, an excellent type and was a pretty good racehorse as well. We probably didn't see the best of him. He's at 5,500 including GST as well. So it really is the value roster. And like Gary said, you know, you can put a X amount of price on these stallions, but at the end of the day, you've got to look after the breeder, which is what we're very big on here in the trainer's hut. So we uh, applaud Spendthrift for doing so, and those stallion fees are set very, very attractively. That's it for this week's edition of the trainer's hut. Thank you for tuning in. As always, if you've got any suggestions for the show or any feedback, just jump on the Twitter, at TB Bloodstock is the handle there. We're also on Facebook, uh, it's Todd Blum Bloodstock as well, if you want to jump on the Facebook and leave a message, or if you uh, want to tune into the show, catch the other episodes, this might be the first episode that you're listening to, jump on the Apple Podcasts or Spotify, as well as the ToddBlumBloodstock.com website. You'll be able to find the podcast there and all available episodes. So just go back through the catalogue, have a look at some of the uh, names that we've had a chat to across the trainer's hut. So jump on and have a look and let us know what you think. That's it for this week's episode. I'll see you next week in the trainer's hut. I'm Todd Blum. See you then.